0: What is up, everybody? Welcome back to a brand new episode of the Run Your Mouth podcast. It is an honor to be with you. I hope you had a rejuvenating Christmas. I hope Santa brought you all the gifts that you liked. Your little kids ran down to that tree. They tore open gifts with excitement, and it brought you all the holiday cheer you needed to get through whatever. Yeah, I don't know. Come out for New Year's. Me and Dave Smith, BK Chris, going to be parting it up out in East Rutherford, New Jersey. If out in Jersey, you ain't got nothing better to do, so show up, come party with us. Uh, I think this is going to be the last run your mouth for this year. Uh, we're going to be taking down this fine studio brought to you by YoKratom.com and moving to our new home. I'm excited to uh, get all this crap out of my apartment because it was nice having a rape room. I don't know, you guys can go back down the archive. And uh, when I was trying to ensure that this room was soundproof enough to that that was the level I was going for, when I sat down with contractors, I made it clear. I was like, listen, not going to be forcibly having sex with anyone that doesn't want to be having sex with me, but I'd like for this room to lower the decibels and levels enough because I actually thought that in the climate that we live in now, that was less offensive than saying that I was going to be screaming about problems at the Federal Reserve and how I don't like minorities. And most of my neighbors are minorities uh, that don't have uh the awareness or the fortitude to quite grasp what I'm yelling about when it comes to these financial topics. So just to be careful, I need this to be at that level. And so we did our part, but we blocked off uh you know most of the space. We made it so I couldn't see my windows. You know, I'm claustrophobic by nature. And so we 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 turned what was a nice open space of a living room into a pretty condensed space of uh, claustrophobicness. And so uh, hopefully, you know, hopefully, guys, everyone, if you're standing next to someone else, take their hand and hold, run your mouth in the hearts. Look up at the clouds and say a prayer that the new studio space should be a blessing for all of us. And uh, I also have a box full of gear of uh, like, you know, some pretty expensive equipment that we just don't use for the show. Like for we we got the task Tascam thing that I don't use. I got to start splitting lines and actually getting high quality audio and then doing the post production and remastering. As opposed, not that this is a cheap mic. This is a pretty decent shotgun mic. But Streamyard it fucks with all the levels. And I don't know. Maybe you guys don't want to hear about the technical talk. But I haven't spoken to anyone for days. So you're gonna listen to this, okay? You you well, don't worry. We'll cover the news. But you're gonna have to listen to me pontificate about gear and studio issues. Um until I finally drive down to the highway and find some Mexican who doesn't speak English, we'll go see, see, and I'll keep telling about all the things that we're trying to do. We'll go see, see, but until I do that, you guys are going to have to listen to this shit, okay? So uh, anyways, excited for it. Going to set up all the gear, hopefully uh, make some technical improvements. Uh, I don't know what you guys do with your year. If you feel accomplished, if you feel productive, I look back on the uh, efforts that put into the Run Your Mouth podcast And listen, you know what? Maybe you guys should be making your New Year's resolutions to be harassing more of your relatives to be listening to the show. I think that could be going a long way for the way that you interact with the rest of your family is if the rest of them were listening to the show and then you could get together like water cooler talk and talk about what happened on the Run Your Mouth podcast and then they would know where you were coming from and then you wouldn't have to brainwash them because I would have already done it for you. So you got to think, who can I be sharing Run Your Mouth with in my life? I, I know it's on me. I said I was going to put out Bibles so that you guys could walk door to door and, uh you know, convert people, bring them into the Run Your Mouth enterprise of America, live in the future and celebrate being right. But uh, I do think for the growth and longevity of the show and in order to make our proud sponsors proud, the O'Kratoms, the Sheaths, the Premier Farmers, the loyal people that have really thrown down the hammer and said, we're getting behind this this uh, Run Your Mouth podcast. uh We're going to have to improve the look. We're going to have to improve the sound. And so, uh, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to building out the studio and making those things happen. Uh, coming out for New Year's, that's the only thing I got to plug for right now. Got some West Coast dates coming up with Davy Smith. And I'm going to be looking to tack on more of uh, more headline gigs. Maybe trying to pick piggyback that airfare, adding on Thursdays and Sunday shows. So porch door, not till next year but if you see that I'm flying out to places and maybe you got a venue or a hookup or something else, shoot me an email, robsnewsroom at gmail.com. Dude, I'm flexible when it comes to getting gigs done. I'll play your living room. I know some reports tours over. Does that mean we can't do uh living room si- seances or something? I don't know. All right, listen, let's get into the news. I've, uh, I've, I've, I've said enough, uh, just absolute nonsense. Um, so, Let's get into uh, the topics for today and we've got some quick ones before we uh, um, before we you know cover the latest news um, which by the way, I would have done a show on Christmas but everyone else was taken off so there was no news to talk about you know what I mean it's not on me if no one else is doing their job so then I can't do my job all right anyways um, I'd like to start off the show by clarifying what I said at the last show um, about um, handicap people because you know like sometimes when you buy a new car, and, uh, I actually have never bought a new car. I've had four core cars in my life or three cars in my life. And all of them has been because relatives, uh, got dementia. Those are the only cars I've ever had, but maybe you actually have saved up or taken on debt and you got yourself a car. And then all of a sudden you start noticing all your cars on the road. You know what I mean? You buy yourself a Subaru and all of a sudden you're like, everyone's got supers. It's some sort of a mental phenomenon. So last week, I was ranting and raving about these handicapped people taking up all the good parking spots. And I realized that there's some things I have to clarify about this because firstly, I was putting some thought into this and why are we encouraging these people to drive by making the premium parking available to them? Do you know how many hip breaks a year we could probably be preventing if we weren't encouraging these people to drive or how many times do these old people end up getting into accidents, slowing down the productivity by uh, clogging up our roads all because we're encouraging to drive by making the premium parking available to them. Have you thought about that? Have you thought about your grandparents that you wanted to convince them not to drive? And if maybe the premium parking wasn't available to them, they wouldn't be going out there and breaking their hips. And I wanna make it clear, I don't have a problem giving up some premium parking. I understand that. I understand that some premium parking should be available. And I wasn't clear enough about this the last time. It's the added spot. That's where they're pushing their luck. We already gave you the premium parking. We already gave you a wider spot. Why do we got to block an entire second spot with blue lines for you? And by the way, I'm done saying that I'm kidding about these things. That's it. If you can't figure out whether or not I'm kidding, that's on you. And the last time I was kidding until I saw more of this and I realized how many hit breaks or response are probably the fault of whatever lawyers went to bat for added handicap spaces. They go around the country, they troll these businesses, they serve them with papers, they tell them that they're not up to code. And at the end of the day, I'm trying to ask how many deaths does that cause the old people that are out there driving who shouldn't be driving because we're encouraging them with, um, with handicap spaces? Uh, oh yeah. All right. So listen, we, we, we've yelled about this before. And one of the problems with inflation is uh, quality coming down. And so, you know what I did and I encourage you people to do this as well is uh, you know, that, that the Black Friday deals come around. Everything drops down to you know normal pricing. And so now that's the life you got to live. You got to spend the week of Black Friday in your house working these deals. It's like stock price tickers. You got to wait till that coupon code comes in, the 30%. You, you add it with that promo code. You pretend like you're not some cheap old Jewish lady who cuts coupons. You pretend like that's not you old Jewish women who cut coupons, you would never live that lifestyle, but you will spend your entire day behind your computer looking to see when they drop the price on that website. And it still can work in the conjunction with the promo code that you got in your email. You're not going to cut coupons. No one's that cheap. No one cares about pricing that much. No one wants this kind of sickness taking over your lives. So anyways, I realized, uh, you know, I'm always looking for my jeans and they're always getting, I was like, why don't I just buy four pairs of my $20 Levi jeans, wait for these things to go to, for, to sale. And let me tell you either. My ass is getting too big, maybe from eating too much cookies, maybe from doing too much squats, but Levi's jeans has jumped the shark's. Oh my God, these zippers don't hold up anymore. Every time I turn around, it's a good thing I wear sheaths or my dick would be out all the time. Well, hey, would it wouldn't be like a flopped out. It would just be more like, Hey, there's a little putty thing over there. And you'd be like, Oh my God, my di-, you know, you can't be wearing old school, old man boxers that just has that like opening who, who was ever into that. I mean, even if you're going to be such a poor, lame individual, who's not wearing sheath underwear and you're wearing traditional knit boxers, you at least need the ones with the soft materials and the buttons. But I'm just saying, if you're one of the people that likes the uh, like prisoner material underwear that just has the open flap, you can't be wearing that with Levi's jeans anymore. I guess maybe if you're some flat-ass person, you don't do any squats, you don't eat any cookies, and you ain't applying any pressure to the top of your pants that would push a zipper down. But I'm just telling you, these new Levi's jeans have jumped the shark. You've been buying the same athletic build forever. It's not like I went for the skinny build, okay? I didn't go for the skinny build. I didn't go for a jean that shouldn't be able to handle a waistline without the force and pressure of my gut sending the, the the zipper downward, telling the entire world that I'm ready to fornicate. Maybe the Levi's jeans is just trying to get us all laid or creeps. Maybe they're trying to get us all arrested. I don't know, but I'm, I'm putting Levi's jeans on blast. I'm going to have to, I got to step up my clothing game for next year. Anyone want to go shopping with me? Or we'll get a new sponsor and I, I don't know what to wear. Anyways. What else we got on this topic? Oh, this is an important one. I was giving this one a lot of thought, but we can take a couple comments before uh, we get into this one. LP, what's up? Just harassed two family members into listening to the show. It's either this or me ranting. Their choice. I think. Uh, I think that's the way to do it. Based. How early is too early to start emailing you about porch tour? You know, that's an excellent question. Um, I probably won't start. I mean, by February, March, I got to start piecing that thing together. And my guess is it's not going to start. Well, I'd like to get it started in April. Um, and I do have a new, I, I should have enough new material, maybe even to go by April. So my suggestion is uh, maybe like end of January, early February, shoot me an email and just put in the subject line porch tour. And if in the email you can give me uh, more information, that's better than less information. And just know it's just going to sit there for a while while I put together my Charlie Day map of the United States of America and I start piecing together all the different locations. Um, The easy ones are going to be ones that I can tack on to the current locations because there's places that we're definitely going back to. I don't care if the hosts don't want me back. I'm coming back. Sandpoint, Idaho, you're not not telling me I can't come back to your yard, okay? That one's already a built-in tradition. Max, if you end up selling your house, well, guess what? The person you sell the house to is going to have to deal with me doing porch tour. You should be selling that house with an easement that every summer in August we get to do the porch tour. It's not the most heavily attended porch tour, but that's the OG porch. And if they dare touch your private bar and ruin porch tour for me. All right. I, and there's other locations out there. There, there you know, There's some other ones that we're going to be showing up to. So uh, anyways, send me an email. Robsnewsroom at gmail.com. Uh, you put into the subject line porch tour. You give me the information, where you are, phone number, pictures of your wife's heavy tits, the things that are going to entice me to come out to your home. And uh, we take it from there. All right. So anyways, let's get back into the topics. Some good comments there. Um, But let's go with this one. All right. I was thinking about this a little bit. I hope to next week. uh, Firstly, first episode of the New Year will probably be Gene Epstein. And then uh, Professor David Collum writes these unbelievable Long things on zero hedge, and I'm hoping to have him on because uh, I've missed out. I've missed out on a lot of market gains over the last couple of years. I don't know about you guys. Maybe you're more sophisticated investors than I am. You haven't been blowing your money on good lunch, studio for uh, studios for your and gear and whatnots. But maybe you've been in there. You've been in there on your market rallies. The when when COVID came around. You knew that the Fed was gonna prop this thing back up. You dumped money in and you've been riding that wave all the way up, 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 even listening to your people and their portfolio and their traditional wisdom. And you're sitting there and you're going, I have to have my money in the market. And I've had an overwhelming feeling, hey, all this bullshit has been since 2008. You've had your quantitative easings. You look at your PE ratios and other things I don't really understand. And this thing makes no sense. It doesn't make sense. They carry, they can't put money into this thing forever. At some point, it's gonna have to start coming down. I wanna keep my money out of the market. But then every time you look at these end of year reports and it's like the market did better this year than ever before, these tech companies, these 11 tech companies, your Amazons and your other things that never turn a profit, they've carried the market to levels that we've never seen before. And so there is something to the efficient market hypothesis. Everything's priced in the hive mind. People are getting things right. The invisible hand. And you know what? I got a new market theory, which is that everyone's retarded. So whatever everyone else is doing, just do something else. Like, because Adam Smith's, invisible hand is based off of free market economics. It's based off of floating interest rates and the free interest rates and everyone making their own decisions based off of free choices. But once you put insert government into there, you're dealing with a different system, which I'd like to call the clenched fist of the retard, just banging on shit, doesn't know what the fuck it's doing, applying a little bit too much strength that it didn't realize that it had. And so- that's probably I, I, you know, everyone's going into homes, leave homes, whatever people are doing, just do something else until that bubble busts, and then put your money in, and then everyone gets excited, it starts going up. I don't have the system perfectly worked out. That's going to be a twenty twenty four topic, but it was one of those things swirling in my head, and you know, I I'm excited to get a uh, notable professor from uh, uh, what's that big college in Ithaca that's kind of Ivy League or maybe Ivy League. And then you know we'll run the theory by him. What else we got? Um. Oh, how dangerous are space heaters? This is a fun one. The other day, I you know I I don't I don't like running the heat in this thing, and uh, I decided uh, I was in grade A. They had this uh, space heater forty percent off. I told you I'm a sucker for discounts. Had one of those fake trashy fire things going. I'm like, that's kind of fun. I can put that next to the one chair I have, turn it on, have heat, and pretend like it's a fireplace. That seems like a win. Firstly, brought that thing home, plugged it in, instantly shorted the whole apartment, had to go find my one flashlight, have that moment like I'm in Jurassic Park looking at the things, trying to figure out the switchboard and blah, blah, blah. And then also the thing, you know, you shouldn't be allowed to sell me some piece of crap that comes with five pages of instructions of how I can burn down my apartment. Don't tell me something that's a basically just a giant toaster oven that if I put on some carpet that's been here since the 1960s and is nothing but fur balls and whatever chemicals other people have dropped on this thing. The, the, the entire carpet in my building is a ticking time bomb for uh, for space heaters doesn't make me feel a lot better when it comes with 15 pages of warnings of how everything can, uh, in, uh, how, how flammable the thing is. Um, What else do I have on my list of randoms? Out of the house alcoholics. And then eh, let's skip that one. Nikki Haley and Donald Trump. Okay. Yeah. They're talking, uh, there was some chatter out there of uh, perhaps Donald Trump picking Nikki Haley as a vice presidential vice president uh, candidate person, you know, on the ticket. And if that were to happen, with zero proof whatsoever, that means that they sat down, they had their little deep state meeting and they said, listen, you let this person be your vice president and it can all go away. You can go be a president. You can go pretend that you're going to build a wall. You can go pretend like you're going to do tariffs and other things. And you're finally going to get China and you're going to solve the Palestinian problem. You can make whatever claims you want. You can be president again. We'll allow it to happen. You just need this lady to be your VP. So and then you and then you end up with Trump 2.0. Talks a big game, gets absolutely nothing done, and the deep state rolls on. All right, let's get into the show. Let's take a couple of comments first. B from Yo Kratom hasn't been in live chat for a while. Welcome. Nice to see you. Everyone, yokratom.com, home of the $60 kilo, loyal sponsor of this show, making the new studio and improvements happen. Uh Chef Denker, hey Rob the Fire. Would love to see more of your stand-up on YouTube you were, uh, let's not read the second part. It's not true. That's uh, the, 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 the fake news. Um, but hopefully next year, good chance. I film a half hour. And if not, we'll be putting out clips from last year's porch tour as, um, he's a fucking killer, by the way, come out for some of the shows. There's there's shows that I bomb on and that guy has, uh, skills that I don't yet have, but he's been doing it longer and, uh, I'll catch up. All right, let's get into the news. Um, it, Israeli mom who stalled Hamas captors with cookies shares life-saving recipes. And I'm here to tell you, as a post-Christmas miracle, we all need to have more cookies in our homes because apparently they will save your lives. And by the way, look at the recipe from this lady. This was some basic bitch cookie from a lady that doesn't even look like a grandma. This lady looks like the goalie from uh, those Mighty Ducks movies. Doesn't look like a grandma, not even serving good cookies. I looked at this recipe. I'm like, I don't even bake, and you're just mixing flour, water, and chocolate chips together. How hungry are these Palestinian terrorists that that cookie was so delicious? It actually prevented them from doing more terrorism. But that's the realization you get sometimes when you eat cookies in the afternoon. No one talks about the clarity that comes from just giving up and eating a cookie and realizing, why do I have all this hate in my heart? And now, listen, is this a real story? Did terrorists actually storm this lady's house? And she said, listen, before you kill me, you got to chase my chocolate chip cookies. And they're like, you know what? I've always wanted to try a chocolate chip cookie. When we're down in those tunnels in Gaza, no one's serving us chocolate chip cookies. You know, everyone's talking about how we got to bomb the shit out of these people. Maybe you just got to send some grandmas in with milks and cookies. Maybe that's what these people have been missing out on this whole time. They've never tasted a cookie so delicious that they just went, you know what? Maybe we don't need to kill everybody. And is this story complete and total bullshit? Probably. But, you know, when you get someone, because there weren't too many details within the story, other than I guess they took them hostages and the lady's like, I'll cook for you. And then she just kept stalling until her son was in the military, came and killed them all. That's the other fun part of the story. She distracted them with cookies so that they could all be killed. But those were the terrorist ones. So we're not going to defend the terrorists that they shouldn't have been killed. You know, she should have poisoned the cookies. That would have been some mob shit right there. But I bet the terrorists are probably smart enough to go, you got to taste those cookies first. Anyways, was it true? I don't know. But how often do you see uh, Christmas stories of cookies saving lives and could defend your personal habits of eating more cookies? Next story, there's a California law that is going to require general neutral toy sections at large retail stores. They're going to call it the uh, bad parents" section. And also, if you can't get gender toys, then how are you going to try and convince your kid that they're actually the other gender to impress your liberal friends? Like, don't you need to get like dolls for your toddler so that you can go, Billy? Don't you like playing with uh, with Barbie? No, there's no hole to finger bank and quit licking the tits. Shit! Can you, can someone get this kid a different toy? This toy's not working. Give the kid some makeup. Ends up putting it on. It's bare. <laughs> Speaking of, uh, oh, no, the next gender tor- uh, story is coming later. Trump-Biden on course for 2024 reach match that few Americans want. And you got to wonder what is so broken about our political system that we're about to go through an entire presidential election cycle. It's like one of those boring Super Bowls where it's two teams that even the league was like, fuck, why would we get stuck with these two teams? This one is hard to sell. But that's what we got. We've got Trump and Biden on course for 2024 rematch that few Americans want. And I thought this was interesting because if we actually look at the numbers, I feel that that it's a misrepresentation here. An Associated Press NORC poll conducted between November 30th and December 4th found 56% of adults would be very or somewhat dissatisfied with Biden as the Democratic nominee while 58% of adults said they would be very or somewhat dissatisfied with Trump as the Republican nominee. So I guess it's true that the majority, but the inverse of that is, I guess, 40% from each party would be okay with that person representing them. And so I guess if you compare that to any of the other options, the other people are probably only at 20% or 10%. So yeah, I guess 40% is actually enough to win your nomination and might even be enough to win an an election. So that's kind of just the way the system works is that a winning coalition is is just that, you know, isn't that funny about democracy? Because most people just vote against the other person. And so how many people actually like you? Like, what is the core of your winning co- coalition? 8% of people actually like you. So I, I to me, if you're going to say, Hey, nobody wants these people, with as mo- then you're really just saying that the entire system of democracy is no good because you're always being stuck with candidates that no that the majority of the population doesn't actually uh, want or like. Um, all right. Before we do the next article, let's plug one of our sponsors uh sheathunderwear.com guys if you missed out on christmas or you got a bunch of christmas money you don't know where to spend it go to sheathunderwear.com and get yourself the greatest underwear that's ever graced the balls of man you want to have yourself a better 2024 the way to do it is to start by supporting your testicles because it's hard to make good decisions when your testicles are flopping all over the place they're sweaty and you're uncomfortable you don't know the confidence that comes with properly supported nuts and the feeling of knowing that you're wearing the greatest underwear that's ever graced the balls of man. And you start with better underwear, and you start making better decisions. So if you want to feel new and improved, the only reason I can move this way with such ease and grace is because I wear sheathunderwear.com and it's all smoky smooth down there. So go to sheathunderwear.com use promo code RYM, you get yourself 20% off greatest underwear that's ever graced the balls of man. So get out there, spend that Hanukkah money that your grandma gave you, call her up, let her know, hey, grandma, you wouldn't believe how good my dick looks in the thing I bought with your underwear. Because people, if they give you money, it's courteous to let them know, hey, I spent your money on this thing. It's courteous. So that's what you got to do. Don't just take the money, go spend it, never say thank you. Don't write thank you notes, though. That's fucking creepy old school and weird. That's too much. You got a phone, you take a picture of how good you look in your sheets, you send it to your grandma, and you say, look, look at what you did for me, grandma. Now I'm able to text message this to the women that weren't sleeping with me. So thank you. Male practice insurance prices are stopping small clinics from offering gender affirming cares to minors. I thought this one was fascinating. It was reported by zero hedge. It's an article by time magazine. And I thought because, uh, I was saying with the COVID stuff, at some point, the story might come out in the uh, insurance numbers when all of a sudden insurance numbers start getting changed because the old rates don't make sense because there's some new thing that seems to be changing the death or sickness numbers. Now, has that come out? Not in a fully transparent, widely reported way. seen little, little articles here in the fucking fringes of the internet, but nothing conclusive, nothing completely in your face. No, no massive reckoning of uh, insurance rates. And I bet if they did have to uptick prices in a significant way, they would tell you, oh, it was those seed oils. We're not going to do it anymore. Or it was this. It's because uh, those beets that we were shoving into your burgers. Uh, turns out that that roundup was actually causing a problem. Hey, we're taking down those 5G towers because it actually was having this effect. Anyways, just to be clear, YouTube algorithm... That hasn't happened yet, but I was just talking about the fact that it could happen and that could be interesting. Um, so I was also talking about on a part of the problem that's not yet out. And I was taking it from a book I read from the heritage foundation, which, uh, yes, is a conservative think tank. They were talking about how Obama was passing these laws that basically, uh, force people to provide care for transgenders. Like if you're running yourself a, uh, testosterone clinic, and you like to give to the ideal patient to you is the dude who doesn't want to get like all the way shredded, but wants to be a little bit better looking and you want to pop them in with some testosterone. So you open up a clinic so that you can help your fifty year old dudes look more like the forty year old dudes put on some sheets and get out there and get laid. That's the business that you want to run. But I believe they passed laws like if you're giving out testosterone, you got to give out testosterone to everyone. And even if you don't believe that people identifying as the other gender is a safe or good medical procedure, you're not allowed to make that recommendation. If you're giving out testosterone, you got to be pumping out testosterone. Little kid wants some of that testosterone. You don't get to tell them that they, I know you're a doctor and I know this might be against what you think is good medical treatment, but we write the standards. We have the licenses and you're going to have to get out there and you're going to have to provide it. Do I have all those details? Perfect. No, you guys can go read on your own time. Anyways. This one I thought was fascinating because uh, if you look at the fail rate of, I guess, uh, um, I mean, you can maybe even argue that all of gender affirming care for minors is practice. So how do you even insure for it? But I guess if you look at how many uh, problems might happen, especially with the more aggressive surgeries, I never even thought about this. Why would anyone want to insure for it? Now, it could be, as we're going to explore in the tidbits of this article, that you'll have government legislation coming in, and the same as they said, you have to grant insurance to everybody. You're not allowed to have pre-existing conditions, which just further socializes the cost of medicine. You can't go out there, be a healthy individual, get together with other healthy individuals and get yourself a better rate on insurance. I mean, it, drivers get to do that. You can shove something up in your car, have a good driver record, and you can get cheaper insurance. But if you're out there every day eating McDonald's, chugging down Coke, smoking cigarettes, I guess you're insured. I mean, I don't know how they, how they price that thing in the market. They can't entirely exclude you from insurance. Maybe they can charge you higher rates, um, but I bet there's a cap on the higher rates based on the fact that they can't totally not insure you. And in some capacity, they're forced to give you insurance. So I, I bet, I, which essentially just further socializes the cost because they're going to have to transfer those costs to you. So for example, if you're in the male practice insurance industry and all of a sudden you're forced to provide care for what there's a high rate of male practice for, and you're not allowed to exclude it, like imagine, it's simple enough. You got this, you get more male practice cases, you don't want to insure for it, and then you're forced to insure for it. You can't charge more for it, even though there's more cases. What does that do for the rest of our costs? and procedures, it just goes up. It just further socializes medicine. But if government doesn't step into the market and socialize the costs and mandate that it has to be covered for, it's interesting that the market itself, and because of the cost of these things, it might just fall out of existence because no one can afford it. Stated differently, the exact same thing could happen in vaccines. If vaccines if there were no laws that government didn't have that uh, companies didn't have to pay you for damages because of the vaccine, the cost of the vaccine would indicate to you how safe a vaccine was. Because let's say, for example, every year in America, a million people got the uh, the MVT vaccine. I'm making it up; it doesn't exist. The MVT vaccine, right? And now let's say that for every for one out of the million people that are gonna get the MVT vaccine. They're gonna u- lose the loss of their legs. And let's say that the, co- that the payout to a person that loses the cost of their legs is $5 million. That's what it's gonna cost to get them a nice wheelchair, a nice ramp a this and that. So you know what you do? Let's say the vaccine was supposed to cost $1. You make the vaccine cost $6. And now when that one out of a million person ends up without the use of their legs, you're able to pay them $5 million. It's basically a built-in insurance contract where you can forecast the damage to your vaccine and paying out the person uh who is going to need care because of the harm and then it you can maybe it's worthwhile for everyone to get the vaccine because if you're the person who's harmed by it there's a payout you don't feel good about 5 million dollars for losing your legs you can go up to 20 million dollars and then it's 20 dollars per vaccine All right, do I have that math right $20 over the million? I don't know. Eh, maybe I have it wrong, but conceptually, I think you guys can follow me. And then it would be very clear if you had a super expensive vaccine that it's kind of dangerous. And so the dangerous ones, no one w- would be able to afford or no one would be able to want, and they would fall off the market. The safe ones would be cheap because you wouldn't have to price in for all the injuries. Very simple, right? It's a very—it's almost interesting. You take a step back and you're like, wow, the like free markets, look at the things that it can solve. When government doesn't step in and removes the invisible hand and changes it into the clenched retard fist. Can I come up with a classier example? Yeah, maybe at some point, but for now, let's go with it. All right. So anyways, I was fascinated by this because I was like, oh, look, you know, absent of government stepping in and uh, making corrections in the market, you might actually have the people that have been trying to pretend like this stuff is safe have to contend with the fact that it clearly isn't as insurance has to make adjustments in the cost because there's so much regret about it. Like These things can actually come out in the pricing, which can show you the picture. So this was from Time Magazine. Male practice insurance prices are stopping small clinics from offering gender-affirming care to minors. Five months after starting a search for male practice insurance, Rose said he received a quote for a policy that would allow the project to treat trans youth. That's when he realized finding a policy was only the first hurdle. He expected the coverage to cost $8,000 to $10,000 a year, but he was quoted $50,000. Now, in the world of medical procedures, $50,000 doesn't even sound like that much money. That means you're treating 50 people and you got to charge them $1,000 a year more so you can cover your insurance costs. Seems to me like actually everything that I was just ranting about is irrelevant in this case because the $50,000 quote tag doesn't even sound that expensive. I mean, you guys have seen what you have to spend on your fucking healthcare. Every time you see a doctor, they send you for 14 different tests. You end up with a bill and no results back. And then here you go. $50,000 spread across all your patients for an entire year. You clearly don't have enough patients coming in. And then you're telling me you can't just bill that to the insurance and basically then have the, the other insurance things come up. Okay. Rose said he hadn't experienced anything like it in his 20 years working in healthcare administration. All right. These are select paragraphs. You know, we listen, we run propaganda over here. So I'm not reading you the full article. These are select pieces of interest. Only a few states have passed laws preventing male practice insurers from treating gender-affirming care differently than other care. Okay, can you take a second and appreciate that line? If it, not allowing an insurance company to treat one form of care different from a from another form of care is just socializing the cost of medicine. Because one form of care could be more expensive than something else, or it could have more problems in that it doesn't like, I I, I don't know if I'm running a, a business where I reset limbs by breaking limbs. And then a year later, it turns out that most of these people, their limbs are weaker and it didn't help. So then, yeah, the malpractice is going to be a lot more expensive because you're going to have a lot more lawsuits against my business. The male practice expense for one form of medicine is a very good market signal for a form of medicine not working or getting priced out of existence. If government steps in and goes, you have to treat this the same regardless of the results, regardless of this isn't working. Well, then first, you're preventing the market mechanism for discovering that something's a bad form of medicine. And uh, I mean, that's not firstly, I guess that's the whole thing. And that's the problem with socialism. Okay, only a few states, and this is the way Time Magazine writes it, only a few states have made it that we can ignore the consequences of a medical procedure that is actually faulty and would be driving up insurance costs to the point that no one could afford to get this because it clearly doesn't work. And and what you're really describing, by the way, of malpractice means, well, what's the fail rate? How often are these people not doing this correctly? Or what is the regret level? Are these all market signals that you just want to bury with government socialized healthcare that they just step in and say, nope, we're going to ignore. We got to ignore all that information to provide this thing that might cause all these problems that we're ignoring in the market signal of repricing it because of how much regret and failure there is. Only a few states, I I mean, they might as well, by the way, this would be the same. All right. No, let's continue. Only a few states have passed laws preventing male practice insurance from treating gender affirming care differently than other care. Massachusetts was the first when lawmakers there passed legislation that says insurers cannot increase rates for health care providers for offering service that are illegal in other states. Since then, five other states have passed laws requiring male practice insurers to treat gender affirming health care as they do other legally protected activity. Colorado, Vermont, New York, Oregon, and California. Similar legislation is pending in Hawaii. There you go. Ignore the data. Ignore it. Don't look at these signals about whether or not this is actually worse care than other care or does not work as intended. This was a preventative measure. Isn't it great the way that they're able to spin these things? That's them helping your kids. Is you not being able to evaluate whether or not a doctor is actually good at this by socializing the costs of the fact that they're not good at? doing the procedure and it might not be done properly and you might have to sue them down the line. But let's cover off those costs to you as the person who's going to have this procedure done on their kid as a preventative measure. This was a preventative measure and it was met with full exemptives by both the insured and the insurers, said Vermont State Virginia Ginny Lyons, a Democrat who co-sponsored the state's law. She said lawmakers consulted with both physicians and malpractice insurance companies to make sure the language was accurate. Insurers just wanted to be able to clearly assess the risk. You know what they're saying? As long the insurance company is like, listen, as long as I can make my money, I don't care if you're telling me that there's some other way here that I can charge more to cover the botched operations that you're going to be doing on these kids. I don't care if you guys want to be out there. And you want to be doing operations that are bad. As long as you're making me a way that I can make my money and cover for it without it cutting into my profits, it's fine. Uh, all right. That's enough from that topic. All right. Let's take a couple comments from the, uh, chat error apartment, 10 watching fake news. There's 32, Chef Dinker. We should vote harder. Haha, It's completely hopeless. Common sense. Gender affirming care is malpractice. That's what I said. Vanessa. Hi, everyone. Hi, Vanessa. Error parent. Very excited for Vanessa. Common sense. Ask Vanessa in the chat if gender affirming care is worth the $50,000. All right. Great comments, everybody. Moving on. But before we do, you want to hear about a medical company that's trying to make shit cheaper for you and get rid of this whole racket without making any instatement or endorsement of the prior segment segment on which they have no knowledge of whatsoever. They're only here because we've got a loyal fan base in which there are many people who work in medicine. And you know what they want to do? They're going to step into this, even if they don't necessarily agree with any of the statements made on the show to go, hey, I'd like it for if patients had access to cheaper generic drugs. And so that's why they're here. Premierpharma.com. You own a pharmacy. You own a doctor's office. You own a hospital. You want to be able to get yourself, uh, your patients, cheaper generic medications that don't come with ta- with rebates and all other sorts of schemes that just boost the insurance profits and private individuals. Go to premierpharma.com. You can get yourself, uh, you know, 30, 40, I don't know, percentage off. For generic drugs for your patients. This one I found fascinating. Ramaswamy campaign stops TV ad spending. And so the reason why he stopped his TV ad spending is he said presidential TV ad spending is idiotic, low ROI and a trick that political consultants use to bamboozle candidates who suffer from low IQ. I love it. I work in this space. I see the CPM rates these people are spending on TV ads, and it makes no sense whatsoever. It's old legacy media of these big, fancy New York City ad agencies charging you all sorts of money so that they can lazily place commercials on TV stations that nobody watches, that don't get served. And just because historically that's something that people did, you know, you can raise all sorts of millions of dollars and just hand it over to your CNNs and MSNBCs to goose their ratings. I mean, you, I'm telling you, because I see the pricing in digital media, how much more effective you can be with uh, social media advertising or with non-traditional media such as shows like this and be able to more target an audience with significantly better rates. And so I think that's a win. Let let the world know that you know spending your money on cable advertising is going to do nothing for you. And if you look at how much the cable advertising is just these like old school political campaigns, I I wonder how much of political ad spends go to just uh, traditional television advertising. I think they said Obama won in part because he was very good on the social media side. And then if you compare what um, uh, what Trump spent versus what Biden spent or Clinton spent in their elections, he was a lot more savvy also. Um, with, uh, you know what you got to do? You got to pull what this guy did and what Trump did is you just get on the debates. You say crazy shits that everyone's got to talk about you. And then you get the free publicity versus if you're boring, and then you just got to run at endless campaign ads. Um, all right, we got two topics left and these are more thinky topics, but this one was Netanyahu. He was addressing what Israel's three prerequisites for peace are. So, you know, they're out there. They're uh, funneling these people into smaller groups of areas. Uh, They're bombing homes while claiming to do everything that they can to mitigate civilian harm. And now they're throwing down the gauntlet of what their plan is for post-Gaza war peace between Israel and the people that live in Gaza. So this is directly from uh, uh, Benjamin Netanyahu. This was uh, as published in the Wall Street Journal. And so as opposed to all of my anti-Semitism of looking at the situation and going, it looks to me like, uh, Israel is, uh, engaged in the reckless murder of innocent civilians. Um, let's actually see what Netanyahu's plan is for the region, because maybe thus far I haven't gotten it right. Here we go. Israel's three prerequisites for peace. Hamas must be destroyed. Gaza must be demilitarized. And Palestinian society must be de-radicalized. These are the three prerequisites for peace between Israel and its Palestinian neighborhood neighbors in Gaza. So now we've got some interesting things of um if Hamas must be destroyed, who are we replacing it with? If Gazas must be demilitarized, um, do they get to be like their own sovereign 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 people? Um, and if Palestinian society must be Deradicalized? are we brainwashing all of them what's the plan here but these are the three prerequisites for peace between israel and its palestinian neighbors in gaza first hamas a key iranian proxy must be destroyed the us uk France, germany and many other countries support israel's intention to demolish the terror group is that what you guys are reading in the paper everyone's i mean everyone's against terrorism everyone likes getting rid of terrorism I don't know that everyone's supporting um, the plan of leaving a power vacuum, as uh, if you guys recall what happened in Iraq, that's how you got ISIS. But let's continue. To achieve that goal, its military capabilities must be dismantled and its political role over Gaza must end. Hamas's leaders have vowed to repeat the October 7th massacre again and again. That is why their destruction is the only proportional response to prevent and repeat of such horrific atrocities. Anything less guarantees more war and more bloodshed. All right. I'm okay with this. He's just saying, got to get rid of Hamas. It's a little bit rich when you're the one who said, Hey, let's have this Hamas thing. So we don't have to have peace. And you've been sending them payments, but you know, they, they, they overstepped in the way that they were spending the money that you sent them. And now you're like, we got to get rid of them. Fair enough. In destroying Hamas, Israel will continue to act in full compliance with international law. That one seems rich is the way that you guys are dropping bombs in line with international law. All right. This is especially challenging because an integral part of Hamas's strategy is to use Palestinian civilians as human shields. Remember, tagger it. We left a piece of paper under building, told you to go to that home. And then when the New York Times said you were bombing the places that you told people were going to be safe zones, you said you would answer it later. But hey, that's all Hamas's fault. Hamas places its terrorist infrastructure inside and underneath homes, hospitals, mosques, schools, and other civilian sites, deliberately putting the Palestinian population at risk. Israel does its best to minimize civilian casualties, right? That's why they weren't using the smart bombs, by dropping leaflets, sending text messages, and using other means to warn Gazans to get out of harm's way. Hamas, by contrast, does its utmost to keep Palestinians in harm's way, often at gunpoint. Unjustly blaming Israel for these casualties will only encourage Hamas and other terror organizations around the world to use human shields to render this cruel and cynical strategy ineffective. The international community must place the blame for these casualties squarely on Hamas. It must recognize that Israel is fighting the bigger battle of the civilized world against barbarism. That's actually an interesting argument. I don't agree with it, but I'll give him points. He's saying that if we allow for human shields, it incentivizes the use of human shields. So we need to instantly go no human shields so that no one thinks to do it. I guess you can counter, though, if nobody agrees with you and everyone sees your reckless killing of civilians by calling it human shields and it grows more sympathy, then your strategy of rendering the use of human shields ineffective isn't working because the human shield usage is actually effective, as most people don't think that that is a warrant for killing civilians and then ends up rendering more sympathy um, for the terrorist organizations. Second, Gaza must be demilitarized. Israel must ensure that the territory is never again used as a base to attack it. Among other things, this will require establishing a temporary security zone on the perimeter of Gaza and an inspection mechanism on the border between Gaza and Egypt that meets Israel's security needs and prevents smuggling of weapons into the territory. So you're going to further prison the thing. What? It was like a minimal security prison. Now you're going to make it a maximum security prison. And you're like, you guys, uh, and and talk about being the bully in the area, you're even going to tell Egypt, hey, you're going to have to comply with the way that we want to conduct our search of Gaza. Hey, your border better be, I know you're your own at state, but your border with that place better be up to compliance with the way that we want that border to look like. The expectation that the Palestinian Authority will demilitarize Gaza is a pipe dream. It currently funds and glorifies terrorism in Judea and Samaria and educates Palestinian children to seek the destruction of Israel. Not surprisingly, it has shown neither the capability nor the will to demilitarize Gaza. It failed to do so before Hamas booted out of the territory in 2007 and has failed to do so in the territory under its control today. For this foreseeable future, Israel will have to retain overriding security responsibility over Gaza. So there you go. No independence, no other authority in the area. Uh, America has been saying that they were hoping, I guess, that the Palestinian authority would take over control of the area. And he's saying, absolutely not. It's going to have to be under Israel's control. So what does that look like? Israel being in the area? Maybe it's better. Who knows? Maybe we're all wrong. Maybe Israel goes in there, creates all sorts of jobs for these Palestinians. They've never been happier in their whole lives than having gotten rid of Hamas and having Israel, uh, you know, I mean, really occupy the terror. We're talking about being in there Uh, I guess, with its military and policing the safe place. But maybe that's what's going to make all these Gazans safe. Maybe it's a bad neighborhood that just needed a strong enemy police force. Third, Gaza will have to de-radicalize. Schools must teach children to to cherish life rather than death. And in moms must cease to preach the murder of Jews. Palestinian civil society needs to be transformed so that its people support fighting terrorism rather than funding it. Sounds like you're going to go in there and, I guess, start brainwashing people that will likely require courageous and moral leadership. Palestinian Authority leader Mohammed Abbas can't even bring himself to condemn the October 7th atrocities. Several of his ministers deny that the murders and rapes happen or accuse Israel of perpetrating these horrific crimes against its own people. Another threatened that a similar attack would be carried out in Judea and Samaria. Successful de-radicalization took place in Germany and Japan after the world after the Allied victory in World War II. Today, both nations are great allies of the U.S. and promote peace, stability, and prosperity in Europe and Asia. That's interesting. How did that happen in both Germany and in uh, and in Japan? The de-radicalization. I'm not a great student of history. Um, all right, let's just finish this article. More recently, since the 9-11 attacks, visionary Arab leaders in the Gulf have led efforts to de-radicalize their societies and transform their countries Israel has since forged the historic Abraham Accords and today enjoys peace agreements with six Arab states. Such a cultural transformation will be possible in Gaza only among Palestinians who don't seek the destruction of Israel. Once Hamas is destroyed, Gaza is demilitarized and Palestinian society begins a de-radicalization process. Gaza can be rebuilt and prospects of a broader peace in the Middle East will become a reality. Hey, it's kind of winning me over at the end. So I guess he's saying they're going to go in there. They're going to do all their atrocities. They're going to brainwash everybody by saying, hey, you guys have to be committed to saying we love Israel and playing by our rules. And if you do all that, you're never going to have your autonomy. But um, I guess we'll slowly extend further freedoms for the prison you live in. I guess that's kind of the way to... Maybe there's too much spin on there on my end. All right. Last article. And then let's call it a day. Too much reading today. You know, I prefer when there's more nonsense in the episodes, special counsel, Jack Smith seeks to block Trump for making political taps during attacks during trial. Um, All right. This is an interesting one because we had both in uh, the Rudy Giuliani case, which I did not follow as much as the Alex Jones case. It seemed like uh, definitely in the Alex Jones case, he was determined to be guilty before he even showed up in court. And it was because they said that he did not uh, play fair in the process of handing over materials or whatever else. This was a year ago. I don't remember the specifics. Uh, You can go back to, it was the first Las Vegas episode of a porch tour that we did. It was me and BK Chris, and we played clips from that trial, but it was determined by the judge before a jury ever heard it, that the guy was guilty. He wasn't allowed to defend himself. He just had to participate in a trial of how guilty he was. And to me, I don't like, I understand, I guess you can play so, so not fair ahead of time, but I would think that a jury would have to make the decision that you weren't playing f- Fair in the process, because if a judge is doing it, then you know you can be found guilty, not of a jury of your peers. Seems like uh, Rudy Giuliani claimed the same thing. I didn't follow that case, um, and Jack Smith seems to be pulling off a similar thing here, where he's going all the arguments that you might make to defend yourself are political arguments, and they're inappropriate in court. I need to make a determination before you're in court and before you're in the jury that you're not allowed to say any of the things that might make sense to say in this case. So let's read. This is from, I believe, MSNBC. Special counsel Jack Smith seeks to block Trump from making political attacks during trial. Smith also asked the court to prohibit Trump from blaming law enforcement for the attack on the U.S. Capitol on January 6, 2021. Smith pointed to Trump's argument that he's only being prosecuted for political reasons. In addition to being wrong, there you go. You I mean he's the prosecutor, so you're trying to make the other argument. So you can just get like you can just go, "Hey, this guy is uh guilty of murder and he can't claim it wasn't murder cuz he's just wrong." Well, then why are you having the trial at all? All right. In addition to being wrong, these allegations are irrelevant to the jury's determination of the defendant's guilt or innocence would be pre- uh, prejudicial if presented to the jury and must be excluded this special counsel wrote. Well, if it's irrelevant to this particular case, well, all right, so let them say some nonsense. What does it matter? Unless, I, I, I guess, if you're trying to limit the scope, of, like, why are you limiting the scope of what the jury is willing, able to hear or the context of what they're able to hear? Eh, I just don't understand the law enough. Additionally, Smith seeks to have the court prohibit Trump from telling the jury arguments he's made publicly that others are to blame for the January 6th attack on the Capitol, including law enforcement, military forces, unidentified secret agents and foreign influence. Doesn't that sound like a defense argument of, listen, I'm not at fault here. Here's the evidence that other people were setting me up. Wouldn't that sound like that's actually just a defense? Smith also asked the court to prohibit Trump from arguing to the jury that the reason for the January 6th attack was ill-prepared law enforcement also sounds like a reasonable defense. The defendant cannot argue that law enforcement should have prevented the violence he caused and obstruction he intended. Smith wrote, Trump has repeatedly argued in public that the case against him is purely political and that Smith is only prosecuting him because he is running for a second term. Another thing I think is a fair argument. Trump has sought to depict the prosecution as an arm of President Joe Biden's political operation. Once again, seems fair to me. All right, that is our show. Thank you for hanging out with us. Thank you to YoKratom.com, home of the $60 kilo, only place in the entire world that if you're into kratoms, you can get yourself an entire kilo for just $60. I challenge you to scour the internet, fly to other countries and see if you can beat that pricing. And thanks to YoKratom.com, SheaThunderwear.com, PremierFarmer.com, that should be the end of the episodes from this lovely home studio with the green screen that sometimes flickered, the light that was too bright in my my eyes, this dumb setup of just articles in front of you. We need the fancy news graphics, the floating images, the tickers, the things that make you look like you're watching a professional structured media thing that then you'd have to listen to and go, I don't know what the fuck this kid's talking about. I don't know. And I'm not a kid anymore. I'm an adult male. And hell, we're going to have a show that presents it that way. So uh, looking forward to next year. Looking forward to being in the new studio. Probably the last episode of the year. Thank you for hanging out with us. And dude, everyone that came out to Porch Store, you guys are family. I love you. Thank you. Thank you to everyone that actually showed up to Porch Door, uh, bought a ticket to all the hosts out there. This was a cool year. I got to I, I got to gig more than I ever gigged before. That's not true. When I used to play in the city all the night, I did more gigs technically. But in terms of like headlining, doing the more specific comedy that I like, right, direct to the fans, you people and hanging out, building a cool thing here. So, you know, thank you, everyone, for hanging out, making it that I'm not just some uh, some dude, you know, talking to myself in my living room uh, for all the people, you know, that supported the sponsors, all that stuff. I'm, I'm having a moment of gratitude as we come into the new year just to say thank you to the sponsors for sticking with us for a whole year. Thanks for everyone that stuck through tech errors and whatever else, invited me into their home, showed up for the live shows. Looking forward to 2024. Going to go bigger, better, and more professional and uh, share the show with your friends. Let's make it happen. All right, let's take a couple comments. After that nice exit, we're going to take some comments. The ADD, I'm looking down. I'm like, look, you got all sorts of comments here. Common Sense. Ask Vanessa in the chat of gender affirming. We already read that one. I already read that comment. Give me a fresh comment. Common sense, destroyed, disarmed, and or displaced. Common sense, again, this guy's dominating the comments. Anyone else want to throw in a comment here? I got my wife a power vacuum for Christmas. Okay. Brandon Leone, it's funny to talk about Gaza like they're going to let them rebuild. And then last comment on the day, Gaza is such a fun name for a place, shouldn't be calling it something like doomed. All right. That is our episode. Thanks everyone. You know, work out the comments for next year, everybody, but that's our episode. Thanks for hanging out back next year with a new episode. Peace.